Good morning. Good morning, good morning. So uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about Walking in Righteousness Part 2. So last time we talked about the being a three-part being, talking about body, soul, and spirit, and how, you know, when you get born again, uh, you get born again and you're righteous immediately. Walk the ball, Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Then we talked about how in the soul you get renewed. So we say here, born again, born again, we have renew and we have resurrection. So we learned about that last time and how <clears throat> grace is applied to all three of these. So let's go ahead and pray real quick before we get started. And uh, we're going to pretty much build on top of that and we'll go from, from there in this teaching. So Father, I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your divine guidance and for your, your revealing of all truth to men. And we thank you, Father, that you reveal to us the mysteries of God. And we just thank you, Lord, for, for your power. And that, Father, it's not just about an intellectual um, candy, but, Father, we actually are going to be changed by your word and allow it to transform us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. So, we talked about righteousness. And, and this is important, man, walking in righteousness, because the scripture says the prayers of the righteous availeth much. Okay, and this is in James. Um, I don't remember what chapter it is. Do your own homework. Uh, prayers of the righteous availeth much. And this is important because when you're discovering that you're righteous, uh, you, the, the prayers are important. This is your communion with God, you know. And, and the scripture is very clear, man, uh, that when we pray, it says we should believe that we receive. If you go over to Mark chapter 11, verse 24, I believe, it says that if you, when you pray, believe that you received it and it will be given to you. Well, uh, the one of the things we actually struggle with in our prayers is whether or not we're righteous because we we have we, we, we don't think God's gonna answer our prayers because we don't believe that we're righteous. You know what I mean? And that's huge, man. We're like, well maybe I deserve this. You know what I mean? And and that's kind of a bad teaching, especially when you realize your covenant with God. See your covenant with God is not dependent on your deeds. We talked about this last time. Um, you don't need to be resting in your deeds. You don't need to be resting in your deeds. You need to be resting in Jesus is one deed, all right? I am repeating myself a little bit, but that's because we want to make sure that we really get this. You're resting not in your deeds, but you're resting in Jesus' one deed. This is what makes you righteous. And one of my favorite passages is, is uh, I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, and verse 14 through like 20. Anyway, it, it talks about how we are the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. So, if you actually will turn to your Bibles in in first in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read this passage. Don't think I have it in my notes. Because, and I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised I don't have it in my notes. This is like a fallback verse for me. But, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, or in some translation says, according to the flesh. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So... You know, this. Uh, there's a lot of things, man, that come when we become righteous. When we become righteous with God, 
Um, now we have a duty, we have a responsibility to serve God with all of our heart. We now, we now please Him and, and serve Him. Um, we're not serving ourselves. What it says right here, it says that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died. We don't live for ourselves anymore when we receive Christ. And righteousness, uh, part of being righteous is that we don't live for ourselves. We live for Him. Okay? So from now on, we regard no one from the worldly point of view. Therefore, in verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation, and the old has gone, the new has come. And so, and then it continues, we're going to go to verse um, uh, 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, we talk about now here, this isn't just, righteousness is not what you do. Righteousness is what you are. We're talking about your identity at this point. In Christ, righteousness is who you are. All right, so we don't live from the standpoint of trying to get anywhere, trying to accomplish anything. We come, we live from, not the cross, but we live from the resurrection. You know, it's not about what you can do to become righteous. It's all about what Jesus did that made you righteous. So we're, we live our entire life from the resurrection. Our entire life is living from victory, not trying to get to victory. This is important. Like, we're not trying to get to victory. We're living from victory. It's a matter of mindset. This is the renewing part. See, you're already born again. You are already righteous. Part of the renewal process is believing that you're righteous. Believing that you are righteous. You, that's the renewal. See, this is faith. It talks about the righteous shall walk by faith, right? The righteous shall live by faith. So, listen... According to your body, your body is still that old flesh, man. Still wants evil desires. Your mind can be carnal. We talked about this last time. How it can be set on the things beneath, right? So your mind, even though your spirit's born again, completely set free, your soul can be carnally minded. In other words, it can be focused on things of the world. Well, the Bible says this. is I wish that you would be prosperous as much as your soul prospers. All right, so if your mind is not prosperous, you will not be prosperous. And we're not talking about just money. We're talking about in Christ. We're talking about, you know, living from Christ. You know what I'm saying? Um, <clears throat> so we got to be focused on not the things of the world, but be focused on the things above. And so as we discover that our new identity is literally righteousness, then our minds get renewed to this. And we start living from that. I am the righteousness of God. We start living. This is whenever we start overcoming sin in our life. You can overcome sin in your life and you say, man, I'm not, that's not who I am anymore. I am Christ. I am in Christ. You know what I mean? I'm Christ of the nations too. You know, even knowing that, man, that Jesus lives inside of you, this changes everything, man. This changes the way you live your life. This changes the way that you, if you sin, this changes the way that you, how you treat other people. This changes the way that you pray. This changes the way that you see signs and wonders. This changes the way healing happens. Why? Because if I'm re renewing my mind to the fact that I'm Jesus to the world, Matthew chapter 5 I believe 5.14 says, you are the light of the world. So Jesus, it talks about this all the time, that Jesus, Jesus you know, we always talk about Jesus being the light of the world. <clears throat> Let's talk about miracles for one second, you know? People say, well, Jesus did the miracles to prove that he was God. Well, there is a scripture verse that actually backs that up, and it says, um, believe that what I'm saying is true. If you don't believe what I'm saying, then believe by the works. And it's actually John chapter 14 and 15. Um, it talks about this. It says, if, hey, you don't, it just, if I didn't do the works that I'm doing, you don't have to believe me. But it wasn't so much about proving his deity, it was about proving his message. Okay? He was trying to say, 
listen to my message, which just so happened to mean that he was also the Son of God. But see, we know that miracles actually don't mean that somebody's deity. Okay, Miracles don't prove the deity. Miracles just back up the message that the guy's bringing. So, for instance, Elijah, he was not God, but he did miracles. Peter was not God. He did miracles. Paul was not God, but he did miracles. Um, John, he was not God, but he did miracles. How many other people? Elisha, he was Moses. not God. Moses. Moses was not God, but he did miracles. So, and there's tons of people in the Bible, and there's tons of people nowadays. There's, there's uh, current people right now that are doing miracles, but they're not God. It's the guy who comes in and says... Look at what I'm doing. I am God. That's the Antichrist. That's the one we have to worry about. But if the guys are doing miracles and they're preaching Jesus, stop calling them false prophets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're talking about these miracles because, and that's what Scripture says, by the way. It says that if they're preaching Jesus, he's the only way, then they're not a prophet. Then they're not a false prophet. So, all right. So we've got um, the miracles. They don't prove deity. They just back up your message. Okay. All right. But, but these miracles, listen, you know, if you realized who you were in Christ, you would be able to do this stuff. See, righteousness comes through faith. So what's the first thing that's going to be attacked when it comes to your righteousness? Your faith. The devil wants to come and say, oh, you, you can't get that. Oh, don't pray for that. You won't get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the prayers of the righteous availeth much. Oh, man, you've been messing up. Don't, you, you, don't think, what, what makes you think you can ask God for that? Those lies from the devil. You know what I mean? It's freaking lies from the devil, man. It's lies from the devil. That make, listen, anything that makes you think, oh, I'm not good enough, or I don't deserve that. How many times do you hear that in your head? Well, I don't really deserve to. I don't, I don't deserve to get what I asked. And so you stop praying, and you stop believing. You know what it is? It's this part right here that needs to be fixed. <clears throat> well, I don't. if you ever say, well, I don't deserve that, or God's got bigger problems, why would he listen to me? When there's world hunger. Again, you're comparing yourself to others, which is, again, submitting to the law. Anytime we compare ourselves to others, we're talking about our reputation. Anytime we talk about a reputation, you're talking about the law. You're talking about whether or not you're good enough. You know, And the only way we should be comparing ourselves is to Jesus. And we don't measure up at all to Jesus, but Jesus is our righteousness. And we become the righteousness of God when we receive him. And so, anytime you say, well, I don't deserve that, you just uh, submitted yourself to law again. And the scripture says, be it according to your faith, right? To your faith. Be it according to your faith. So, if you say, I don't deserve it, well, then you're saying, oh, it's according, Jesus is going to say, well, it's according to your faith. You're right, you don't deserve it, <laughs> right? And you ain't going to get it. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You're, it's according to your faith. You don't believe that you deserve it. So, you're, you're forgetting about your righteousness. But the righteous shall, shall walk by faith. So, <clears throat> that was a little bit of a side note, but we're talking about falling from grace too. Galatians chapter 5. Okay, Bibles. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 through 9 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Verse 2. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no, avail to, no advantage to you. Uh, first, uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 3 I testify again to you every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law you are severed from Christ you who would be justified by the law you have fallen away from grace so grace is the power to overcome so so here's what happens well, while we might have received grace right here in our mind as we say I don't deserve it you just submitted yourself to the law and you fall from 
grace. Anytime you pray and you say, well, I just don't deserve it. You're, you're submitting yourself again to the law. You are again looking to your deeds for why you are getting answers to your prayers. And we just read a post this morning <laughs> from somebody who said, well, if there was a storm that came and knocked over everybody's houses, and you say, well, we prayed to God, and you know, and he delivered us, and this guy was offended, and he was saying, well, um, he was saying, well, if you, uh, if you say that, then, then you're saying that somehow you des somebody deserved it. It's not about deserving, man. You don't, you don't deserve it anyway. You don't deserve it. It's in Christ that I deserve it. It's about pulling down heaven. You know what I mean? Listen, and, and whenever, anyway, we're not going to get into that. I don't, that would be a whole other teaching. But you fall from grace, man, whenever you do this. And then when you start saying, well, I don't deserve it. We've got to realize, man, you're right, I don't deserve it, but in Christ, I do. And this is why Jesus said over and over again, believe that you've received it and it will be given to you. Whatever you ask in my name, why? Because he made you righteous. That's so cool. If you ask it in my name, in Jesus' name, then you'll get whatever you ask for. And this is really bizarre, and I don't want to water down the gospel, man. I don't really, I mean, I know. I had somebody say, well, it's like, well, you can ask for anything but electronics. My, my brother said that to me yesterday. <laughs> I'm like, you're missing the point, man. Like, you automatically think that you don't deserve to get those electronics. You're right, you don't. <laughs> why else would you say that? Like, why else would you say, well, I can't ask for this? You know? <laughs> don't put limits on God. You know what I mean? I mean, think about this. I love this, man. Uh, we say this stuff. I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. This is so crazy. Check this out. So, we'll say, we'll say, God, Jesus will say something like this. Ask whatever, I don't know what that is, but that, you can look up that word in the dictionary. I'm pretty sure it doesn't mean that you can restrict it to anything, ex, you know, whatever, ex, it doesn't say except this over here. It's just whatever. Ask whatever and it will be done for you, right? I, I have, I have to find the actual, uh, there's, there's like, five or six verses that say this, by the way. So this isn't just one verse taken out of context. This is over and over and over again. And every time it talks about using Jesus' name, why? Because he makes you righteous, you know? He makes you righteous. I mean, this is, this, Jesus was God's favorite, right? Everything he asked for, he got it. Well, if whenever Jesus, when you put Jesus on, now you are his favorite. Like God doesn't even look at you. He doesn't even remember your sin. Blessed is he that is the man whose sins are no longer remembered by God. I'm that man. Thank you, Jesus. But my, my sins are no longer remembered. I do not have to worry about whether or not I did enough to, to get my prayers answered. You see what I'm saying? Jesus did enough. Ask whatever. And this is, this is really hard, man. People don't... Now, if you violate the word of God, I can see how you won't get that prayer. You see what I'm saying? Why? Because it's talking about... If you um, believe in me, if you obey me, if you love me. We're talking about people who are sold out for Jesus. They're not seeking their own pleasure. That's what it says in, what is it, James? Or I can't remember if it's James or one of the, the epistles of John. It says, you don't get what you ask for because you seek your own desires for selfish gain. Are you applying the grace of God to your soul? Because the grace of God, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, but he died not so that you would live for yourself, but that he used to tell you that you would live for him. See what I'm saying? The blood of Christ purchases you the ability to live for Christ, not for yourself. So if you go to your prayers and they're all for selfish gain, it ain't going to work. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's what it's talking about. But if you believe and you're sold out for Christ 
and everything you're praying for is for the kingdom of God, you'll get whatever you ask for. See what I'm saying? So the grace applies to spirit, soul, and body. Well, if you're carnally minded and you're praying, well, then grace is no longer here. You see, you're not living or you're not walking by faith. Does that make sense? You're talking about a walking in faith. See, there's three parts of your salvation. Yeah, you're righteous here. Bam, it's done deal. But then here, your mind must be renewed to that righteousness as well. Okay? It's not about, oh, well, you know, I don't deserve it. See, if you're doing that, you're submitting again to law. And again, you fall from grace. But if you're living for self, you fall from grace as well in your mind and in your body. Because you're not actually applying faith. It's not faith in the ability to please myself. It's faith in the ability to please God. That's what righteousness... Oh, that's so good. Woo! Come on. That's what righteousness is. It's the ability to please God. Man, oh my gosh. Thank you, Jesus. Righteousness is the ability to please God. Your faith makes you righteous. In other words, your faith is your ability to please God. That's the title of this message. Ability to please God. Faith, righteousness is the ability to please God. So whenever I'm walking in righteousness, I'm living a life that's pleasing to the Father. That's why whatever I ask for, I'll get. Because it's pleasing to the Father. You see what I mean? It's about living a life that totally is sold out only for pleasing the Father. And that's it. That's what righteousness is. So the righteous shall walk by faith. So I'm living by faith that I've pleased Him eternally. But then I'm also walking in faith that I'll please Him in my soul. He is my one desire. Um, he is, it is pleasing to the Father. The ability to please God. The soul, man, whenever we please God in our minds, we're, we're, thinking, we're thinking and our desire is for Him. It's whenever you, that's why it says, he who desires God, right? It's in Psalms or something or Proverbs. I can't remember what it is. Again, do your own homework. It is written. <laughs> yeah, let me see that one. That'll be good. <clears throat> um, I still have it highlighted, but... Um, or if you want to, if you want to look up the scripture, it's in James. Um, talks about um, there's a couple things. If you guys can find these scripture verses for me, that'd be great. Um, it talks about when you pray, you pray for selfish gain. That's I think in either James or one of the Johns, First John, Second John, Third John. I can't remember. And then also it says, if he who desires, there's a scripture verse that says he'll give you the desires of your heart. He who who delights in there? That's what it says. He who delights in God, he will give him the desires of his heart. Well, the desires of your heart. And we learn about this in Jeremiah that it says that the heart is deceitful above all things, right? So it's not talking about your evil heart. It's talking about he who delights in God. He'll give him the desires of the of his heart. Why? Because you delight in God. Your heart is for God. You see what I'm saying? So it, the righteous shall walk by faith. So when I'm walking in, when I'm walking in faith, my the watch this so cool. This is the ability to please God. That is righteous, righteousness. This is so awesome. The righteousness of God. So <clears throat> the righteous shall walk by faith. Okay, this is faith in Jesus. Okay, so. If I have the, the ability or the desire to please God, I like that, the ability or the desire to please God, okay, then he'll give me the desires of my heart. See what I'm saying? Be it according to your faith. Faith has to do with some sort of desire. Not, I wouldn't say faith is 100% desire. Faith is, has to do a little bit with desire. It's a longing for God. You see what I'm saying? 
Faith is a longing for God. It's the ability, it's the, it's the desire to please the Father. So that's all, that's all it has to do. It's all works together. It's so good, man. Man, that's so good. I really, I think that's going to come out more as we keep on going. But the ability to please God. So this is why, you know, when you pray for selfish gain, well, you're not walking in faith. Does that make sense? Okay, this is, this is why it works. If you pray for selfish gain, that's not faith. Oh, wow. Come on, guys. Listen. Look at this. Unbelief. We talked about this a lot. Unbelief resides in self. Unbelief is the desire to please self. Unbelief is not humility. It's pride. It's when you think about your own. We talk about this a lot. When you talk about your own opinion, you're, you're resting in your own opinion on the matter. This is, I've exalted my thoughts above God's thoughts. You see what I'm saying? That is unbelief. I exalt my thoughts above God's thoughts. That is unbelief. It's selfish. Okay? I'm seeking my own self. So, when I pray for selfish gain, it will always lead to unbelief. Because I'm feeding my flesh. This is the same reason why we talked about in another teaching we did a while back about approval of man. It says you seek the glory that comes from men. How can you believe if you seek the glory that comes from men? Again, you're seeking self. So you don't gain belief. You have unbelief. Does that make sense? So when you, when you pray for selfish gain, it's actually a prayer of unbelief. Because unbelief resides in yourself, man. So... You won't be operating in righteousness here. Therefore, you're not going to get what you ask for. Because the prayers of the righteous availeth much. Now, you can see how righteousness is, can be applied in three different levels. And this is why, um, this is why we have issues. Because people are like, you know, well, how come it didn't work for me? Because of unbelief in your soul. Unbelief has to do with believing in yourself and not believing in Jesus. See what I'm saying? This is so good. Unbelief is the same thing as double-mindedness. James says... When you pray, you know, don't doubt. If you doubt, then you shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. That man is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. Okay? This man is double-minded. That's why it says in the scripture, Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. But I tell you truly, no man can serve two masters. You can't, he'll hate one and despise, or, and despise the other. He'll love one and despise the other. You know? Double-mindedness. Again, you know? Walking in faith, walking in righteousness. But every time we talk about righteousness, we're talking about seeking the kingdom of God. We're talking about pursuing and furthering the kingdom of God. We're talking about advancing the kingdom of God. We're talking about delighting in God. We're talking about the ability to please God. So faith always leads to that. Does that make sense? Faith isn't just believing that you're going to get whatever you ask for. Faith is saying, what I'm praying for pleases the Father. He's going to give it to me. Does that make sense? And actually believing that. Alright, so we're talking about abusing grace. We can't abuse grace. Um, and now, so this is talking about your prayer life. This is talking about the desire to please God. This is what righteousness is all about. The, the ability and the desire to please God. Um, it says right here, verse 16, uh, Galatians 5, verse 16. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Alright, so as you renew your mind to not be selfish... But to be focused on the Spirit and to be focused on the kingdom of God, if be focused on the Father and what pleases the Father, then you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See what I'm saying? These desires die whenever you are spiritually minded. That is the key to walking in victory over sin and addictions and stuff like that. Because as you focus your mind on the things above, you will, it says right here, it's, it's, a, it's a flat out promise. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In Romans, it talks about setting your mind on things above. Actually, setting your mind on things above. 
Proverbs 24, 16. Now, this doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, okay? Because you're going to have moments of unbelief. That didn't make the disciples not disciples anymore. Part of being a disciple is learning how to get rid of your unbelief. That's part of being a disciple. In fact, I don't think you, if you go and start following Jesus and you never say, I have unbelief, I question whether or not you're really discipled by Jesus. Because Jesus told his disciples over and over and over again, oh, you of little faith. So I believe this. If you're walking with Jesus and you never hear that and you can't humble yourself to be able to hear that in your heart, man, I have unbelief. If you can't hear that, man, you're not really following Jesus because Jesus tells his disciples, oh, you of little faith. His disciples, his disciples, those who are actually walking with him. And these people cast out demons and everything. In Matthew chapter 7, it's a good example. In Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10, they're out there healing people, raising people from the dead, casting out demons. Seven chapters later, they can't cast the demon out. And Jesus looks at him and says, it's because of your unbelief. It's because of your little faith. All right? So, if we're walking, and, and that blows my mind, because I know that this guy, these guys have faith. Same thing with Peter when he's walking on the water. He's walking on the water. He has more faith than anybody else in the boat. Nobody else got out there. He got on there. He's walking. Obviously, he has faith, or he wouldn't be able to happen. And the reason why I know this is because the next step, when he starts to, to doubt, it says he sees the wind and starts to sink, and he says, Jesus, save me. Jesus grabs him and says, oh, you of little faith, why'd you doubt? So obviously, it has to do with faith for why he was walking on the water in the first place. But along the line, he had unbelief. Along the line, he started to doubt. Okay? So you can be, you can be, have great faith. And in the middle of your miracles, you can start having unbelief. This is part of discipleship, man. And if we don't understand this, that this is part of discipleship, that part of being a disciple is discovering where your unbelief is, we'll never grow. We'll always have good this, this theology that we've, we mold to our experience instead of molding to the Word of God. We'll always have this theology that tickles our brains, but we'll have absolutely no power. We have got to humble ourselves and say, man... I have unbelief in this area. All right, so it says right here in Proverbs 24, 16, it says, The righteous falls seven times, but he rises again. There, obviously, it's not about how many times you fail that makes you righteous. It's about how many times you get back up. See? A righteous falls seven times and gets back up. So we don't, this is why we don't talk about living perfect. We talk about walking in righteousness. Walking out your righteousness. You are already righteous. You just need to start acting like it. See what I'm saying? You are already righteous here. You need to renew your mind to the fact that you are righteous. And you need to say, I'm not going to stay down. Because if you do stay down, then you become, you enter into condemnation, which is again submitting to the yoke of slavery, submitting again to the law. And this is when grace falls off of your life in the soul realm, not in the spirit realm. This one's done. It's a done deal. The soul realm, I keep repeating myself, but I think it's so important to repeat myself because this is important. And I want to make sure people get it. Faith comes by hearing. So we're already wall to wall, Holy Spirit, born again, set free, righteous right here, bam. But whenever we start to beat ourselves up in condemnation, then and we're not renewing our mind to the fact that we are indeed righteous, then that's when we fall from grace in this area, and that's when things start messing up. That's why when somebody who lives in condemnation can't have victory, they always keep beating themselves up, and they go right back to the bottom. They can't have victory in their life because they keep beating themselves up. They keep submitting themselves to a yoke of slavery. Even though they're born again, even though they are the righteousness of God, they don't believe it. And the righteous shall walk by faith. So they can't walk out their righteousness because they don't believe it. Because they're believing a lie. See what I'm saying? Now, that's powerful. If you realize it's just a lie, then you can cast down the thoughts of the enemy. 
That's why it says take every thought captive. This is so important. So important. we got to take every thought captive. So we can say, I am the righteousness of God. Get off me, devil. You're a lying thief. And you're trying to steal my victory. You're trying to steal the word that's been planted in my life. The birds have come and they're trying to steal the promise. And I'm going to shoo. You've got to shoo the birds away. That's part of the, the soul part. This is, that's why the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's not saying that you're, you've lost your salvation. It's saying right here, in this realm, you need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You are saved. Work it out. Work it out. Work it out. You are saved. Just work it out. See what I'm saying? And then you get victory the more you work it out with fear and trembling. It's so awesome. All right, so we cannot abuse grace. All right? This is not, grace is not a license to sin. Okay, so this is where, this is, we'll finish up on this note right here. I've got about five minutes. So, <clears throat> grace. We can't abuse grace, you know? Um, a lot of people think, well, God will forgive me. That is, man, you have missed the point of grace. In fact, anybody who says that, I question whether they're even saved. I question this. When a person says, well, God will just forgive me anyway, I say to them, you, you missed it. You're not even born again. If you think that grace says, well, God will forgive me anyway, I can keep on sinning. You missed it. You missed it. Grace is the power to overcome sin. Um, there is, this is good. I think this is right here, actually, 1 John. Uh, I'm just going to read what I wrote here, okay? When we walk in condemnation, we, we again submit ourselves to the, to the law. We've talked about this several times now. Because we are resting in our ability to do right. And this is a frustration of grace. You see what I'm saying? When you condemn yourself, that's a frustration of grace. All right? Because it wasn't by our deeds we were made righteous. It was by the one deed of Jesus that made us righteous. The flip side of the abuse of grace is this. Anytime we say, well, I can do whatever I want because I have grace. That's another abuse of grace. Then you have trampled on the grace of God, and you probably haven't actually received grace. See, grace is the power to overcome, and you're not believing in the power to overcome sin. You're believing in the power to just do whatever you want to do. See what I'm saying? You, that's different, man. See, if true grace is believing that I'm going to have victory over my sin, not saying that I'll be excused for my sin, that I can keep on doing whatever I want. That's not grace. In fact, so your faith is actually on a faulty ground. You're actually believing in a false gospel when you start doing that. So, those people need to get saved. You see what I'm saying? Anybody who says that, they're not saved. I'm just going to say it. They're not saved. If you think you can just do whatever you want to because of grace, you're not saved. You missed the point. Okay? That's real bold. People are going to get mad at me. Okay. All right. That's all right, though, because <laughs> we'll just turn the crowds away, man. I'm going to teach the truth, and that's it. I'm unashamed about it. The truth is grace has come to set you free from sin, not to give you a permission to keep on sinning. Okay? When you have trampled on the grace, right? Because the grace that you received is false grace. True grace is not a license to sin. It is the power to overcome sin. We get grace by faith in the finished work of the cross that gives us victory over sin and death. So when we truly receive grace, we walk in faith and in the spirit and we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's part of it, man. Being led by the Spirit will cause us to walk in a righteous lifestyle. So 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 through 18. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Verse 5. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. Verse 6. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. 
The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now, how many times do we hear that passage and say that has to do with healing sick people? Okay, well, I do believe that. But this verse, in context, is not talking about overcoming sinness. It's talking about overcoming sin, which I believe sin and sickness are both works of the devil. But this is talking about, right in context, legitimately 100% talking about sin. Okay? No one born of God, so check this out. Whoever makes practice of sinnings of the devil, right? The reason that God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Verse 9, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. We're talking about a new nature here. When you receive God, you get a new nature. You're born again. And a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So you're talking about the seed of God coming inside of you and changing. Now, I'm not saying you'll be perfect. We've talked about this already. A righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. The point is you don't keep beating yourself up. The point is, because that's the law again, right? <laughs> you don't beat yourself up, but you also don't just say, well, I'm going to keep on sinning. Does that make sense? There's a balance to this. Grace, there's a balance to grace, and there's a balance to faith, and there's a balance to righteousness. There's a balance to the Word of God. We have to rightly divide the Word of God. We talked about this many times here in the house. <clears throat> Verse 9, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And this is going to get into the next teaching, and I don't want to get into it because they'll talk for another 30 minutes, so we're pretty much out of time. But I'm going to just barely cap on it and then close out. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. It's so good. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees a brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Okay, so... When we receive the grace of God, it is actually going to radically change us. And we will begin to change from the inside out. And then it goes into love. Again, the righteous shall walk by faith. Right? Well, it says in the Bible, Jesus talks about it. It says, what's the greatest commandment? To love the Father, to love God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This goes back to the delights in God. We love God. We delight in Him. The entire law hinges on these two commandments to love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength and the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself so the next thing we're going to talk about the next time we get back together is actually talking about love and how in faith faith brings righteousness and this faith gives us grace but this is all because of the love of the father it says in the scripture for we love because he first loved us <clears throat> we're going to find out next the next time we, we have a teaching that love is actually where righteousness takes us. Righteousness takes us to love. Love is not, does not sit still. Love moves. And therefore, I'm called to this great purpose of loving. I'm called to this great purpose of preaching about love. I'm called to this great purpose about communicating the great love of the Father for mankind. And so I, this, this faith gives me righteousness, but this faith that gives me righteousness actually leads me to love, which makes me keep the whole law. It's so awesome. 
And the next thing you know, I'm moved by my compassion. I'm moved by mercy. And we're going to study more about that next time uh, and, and how it pretty much correlates in our life. But when we start operating in faith and in righteousness, it always leads to love and acts of love and flipping the world upside down for the kingdom of God. So, yeah. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold as a Line Ministry Podcast. For additional teaching, prayer, information, or support, visit our website at boldasalignedministries.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our Facebook page for weekly updates on what God is doing here. We pray blessing over you and yours and for the passion and courage to walk boldly for God.